found yourself 100 Yards Over the Rim, a podcast series from the land of enchantment in which we talk about the lasting impact and influence from the Twilight Zone. I'm your host, Jerome Archuleta, and today we're breaking down interesting factoids and discussing the first episode of the Twilight Zone. The episode, whose title cannot be more apt for a podcast premiere, Where Is Everybody? <laughs> so, I think I should start with the first line in, in the episode, which was... Uh, the place is here. Time is now, and the journey into the shadows that we're about to watch could be our journey. This is the first of many iconic introductions by series creator and writer Rod Serling, who wrote 92 of the 156 episodes in the original series. I should mention today we are joined by Gabriel Booth, a local cinematographer and student here at CNM, and... uh, we're glad to have you on on here. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me. Excellent. I'm glad to have you. So I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate you doing the podcast with me for this one. Uh, you just finished the episode, correct? I did, yes. Excellent. Um, so let me start off with the first question for you. Um, it's a little out of order on the thing that I gave you, but overall, what did you think of this episode? In all honesty, I was... I was, of course, because the Twilight Zone is, like, notorious for being out of the ordinary. So I was already already kind of expecting something. But I was like, whoa, because this episode makes you think a lot more than you should. Especially because at the end, it comes full circle, and you're just like, okay. So what was the meaning of this whole episode? Which still kind of boggles me, because that, that is kind of, like, what I'm trying to figure out still. Oh, I got you. Not to worry. So um, for this first episode, it released in October on October 2nd, the year 1959. Back then, we were still very much heavily into the space race. And without spoiling anything for the audience who may or may not have seen it, I would hope you've seen it considering you're tuning into this podcast. But if you haven't, highly recommend it's on Paramount Plus for, for streaming. But um, it, it was during the heart of the space race where everybody was trying to get to the moon. Sputnik had been launched. The U.S. was still very, very adamant about trying to get to space during the Cold War. And uh, it was 10 years before we actually managed to get Neil Armstrong and his crew to the moon. So there was still a lot of speculation on what space travel life like that was going to be like. Okay. Okay. Now, this episode's director was Robert Stevens. I don't really know much about him. He's one of the few weak points as far as my research. And I do apologize for that. The actor who played in the main story was Earl Holliman. He had one other famous movie that I could think of off the top of my head. It was Forbidden Planet. It's an old sci-fi movie. Really good. That one and uh, The Sons of Katie Elder with John Wayne. Okay. Um, so this isn't the original pilot episode idea for The Twilight Zone that came out. The first one was originally called The Happy Place, which takes place in a society that executes people for obsolescence at age 60. <laughs> Definitely doesn't sound like a happy place. Oh, yeah. And that's why it was rejected, because a lot of the producers decided it was a little bit too dark for television at that time. It definitely sounds really dark. At a time now, like, say, around the time of the Jordan Peele adaptation of The Twilight Zone, I think it would probably be an interesting opportunity to revisit that. Um, That would be cool if they did their own adaptation of it. Exactly. I I agree. I think that'd be fun. Now, the theme of this episode, for the most part, I would say, what would you think is the theme of the episode? Ah, uh, that that's kind of a, a a doozy question right there. 
I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I guess if I could name like any theme going on, it would be military experiment. That, that's true. And um, or mental psychosis. Is that would would that be like the right term? I would say you're definitely in the wheelhouse there, in my opinion. I my guess would be it'd be uh, loneliness. Well, yeah. How it how it affects people. Uh, one quote that stuck out to me, I don't know if it stuck out to you, was what the uh, colonel's, what the colonel was telling uh, the main character of the story. Uh, the barrier of loneliness. That's the one thing we haven't licked yet. It did kind of stick with me, especially because right after that, he said, next time you will have nobody. And I was just like, uh, what does he mean next time? And that, now that it kind of clicks a little bit better, because if you're talking about like the space race and like the whole part, and he ends up talking to the moon, you know, it kind of makes a lot more sense that way. Definitely, definitely. And uh, if you had to pick, um, was there something in this episode that stood out to you as a viewer? A lot of the camera movement. Like, it's, you know, like how they cut and, like, how they transitioned. It's, like, up to date. Like, it's a lot of, like, the techniques that we still use today. I think that's what caught my eye. And I think if it was more part of, like, actual show-wise, it was the clock at the beginning and that he broke it and then uh, later on you see him breaking the clock that's uh that he's in in that little cubicle fair enough and um was there anything as a film student in particular that stood out to you in the part where there was a dolly shot where it was a tracking him and that dolly shot it, it followed him right up until like this bakery and through the the window on the side you can kind of see like what makes out to like a head cap so i was thinking i was like is that like the camera operator and they just couldn't take away the reflection completely um because it very much you could see people moving in the background just a little bit but it was like i wonder if that was actually that or if it was like purposely put in there as like this is a ghost town you know I do like the idea of that choice being ambiguous, but I, I had somebody who works in film and I know you work in film as well. Uh, sometimes people do make mistakes mm -hmm. and sometimes we, we do kind of just gloss over them and we don't really see, or maybe we didn't have a better take to use, but yeah, no, I didn't notice that. And I'm glad you did. That's excellent. Um, you had mentioned earlier while we were watching the episode that, um, the setting for the episode was a bit familiar for you, right? Yeah, yeah. So it gave me a lot of um, Back to the Future vibes. And then you kind of mentioned that it, it was owned by MGM, right? Actually, most of the, um, if I'm not mistaken, most of the sets were that were used on the Twilight Zone were filmed at MGM Studios. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, this one was actually the only one that wasn't of the actual filmed Twilight Zone episodes. And it was... Uh, Shot at Universal. Sorry, okay. I was a little bit mistaken earlier. And that's why it looked familiar to you, I yeah. think. Because if I'm not mistaken, and I could very well be, it was used on the set of Back to the Future as well. Yeah, it really looked like Back to the Future. Like their, their entire whole set. Which is a lot of fun because at least there's that level of familiarity there for you as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually really cool to actually see that set is still built and used almost, what, 30 years later for a film that still is, you know, very popular to this day. Oh, yeah, and it creates a sense of iconography before the sense of iconography. Exactly. Like 
So it's really cool to see how that whole transition period, that whole set still stayed significant. Oh, yeah. Um, where do you feel, if you had to pick, was the turning point for you? Like, where was the plot twist in the story? Once the camera was at that Dutch angle and it lifted back up and it was like, I don't, was it in front of a movie theater? And you see like the eye and whatnot. And then he kind of runs up to like the, the post. But as soon as it did that Dutch angle and it moved back to horizontal, it kind of just like, it was like, oh, whoa. It, it just showed like the part. It just did a whole loop on itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, it felt it was a very palpable plot twist for you. Yeah. And it was like, okay, what's really going on here? Hmm. Cool. Um, are there any takeaways or elements that you might find useful in your own creative process? A lot of the lighting techniques. I know in black and white, it's kind of harder to tell like lighting techniques, but it's actually for someone who's watched a lot more black and white. And I feel like you are the same. Uh, it's easier to see how the lighting setups can be set up and worked because there was moments where you had a really nice backlighting. And then even when like all the signs came on at night, you see it kind of like messing with his face and going dark and lighting back up. Like there was a flash in front of him. I thought that was really unique. <coughs> if you me. had to pick, are there what three moments in the episode were as not necessarily as a film student, but as a first time viewer, what were your favorite moments? Him kind of, I, th I think it was just kind of funny. Um, him, when he first walks into the cafe, and he's like, I have American money. Come get me some food. <laughs> you know, I thought that was kind of really unique and really kind of like, oh, okay, that was cool. And kind of just funny. And then kind of going back into like uh, another comedic park was uh, he was talking to the mannequin in the car. And then he comes to find out that it was just like an actual mannequin. And you're just like, Ooh. but you as the viewer kind of already expected it because you're like there's no one there so he must be talking to a mannequin but it was just kind of funny because even after he found out that it was a mannequin he still ended up talking to it I like that he started flirting with it too which was a little bit of fun yeah exactly and I think I think the last part um, that kind of stood out to me would be the part where he kind of I guess like got pulled out of the whole simulation and then you kind of just figured out that he was in there for like two and a half weeks and that he just went like insane. Which kind of that part I feel brings a lot to a current social commentary as well because we just got over the era of social distancing and staying home and working from home. Do you feel like some of those elements might still apply? Oh definitely. Especially because you know being at home and working from home or doing anything that you had to do at home you most people were by themselves and that's like it it has like that like whoa factor to it because you're just like you can relate to it more than most people even if you've never been in like a situation like that interesting um so overall what would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten? Get one being I never want to see this again. This was absolute terrible, and ten I would watch this a couple times. I'd probably give it a nine. 
Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple little fun factoids for you about this episode as well. Um, this, uh, this episode actually predates the first human to achieve space flight by two years. The gentleman's name was Yuri Gagarin. And interesting fun fact as far as filmmaking for you. It had a slightly higher than average budget for production for a show episode during its time. It was about 75 grand. Wait, 70. That's above average. Yeah, that was above average for that time. Seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> But then again, you look at the price of filmmaking now and we're looking at an insane amount. But I mean, seventy five thousand dollars and you're getting to use like an iconic film set. I mean, at the time it wasn't completely iconic, but I mean, it is now. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's one of only two episodes that weren't filmed at MGM Studios. The other episode is actually a foreign film that was submitted as a Twilight Zone episode in season five. It was called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. And if you'd like, um, at some point down the line, we are going to be reacting to that episode as well. Would you like to be one of the guests on that one? Hell yeah. Excellent. I think you'll like it. I think you'll find that it's a very interesting view. Um, gentleman who composed this one, his name is Bernard Herrmann. He's very famous as far as film and media com- compositions. He he did about several other scores for The Twilight Zone, and they were recycled through episodes throughout the series. But yeah. Um, if you had to pick what is um, what is your least favorite thing that you count from this episode you had any criticisms aside from I know you said you notice a crew member or two in the backgrounds um I, well if even with that taking that into consideration I don't think that was like a low point at all I think that was just kind of cool and something that like the average person probably wouldn't catch right away um and it's it's fun to find little gags like that when when you catch people either messing up or just the shot just looks you know like weird or off and i think that's just cool but i mean i guess if there was like a high point right or you're asking low point correct at this point yeah yeah i guess the low point would be seeing him in that cubicle or a little simulated box and then you kind of just hear him going through it and then the colonel says again that he's going to end up being alone again and I, I guess that that part is like the lowest point in in the show because you you feel sympathy for this guy because he obviously he's going to be alone again whether it be the the space race or not like he's gonna have to do this again and you just i just i guess i I feel sympathy for him and it kind of just made me i was like oh that's kind of sad so would you say it was a story that you were definitely invested in like you really felt for this guy yeah yeah especially because the majority of the entire show you're kind of questioning like what's going on especially i you can kind of put it together especially because at the beginning of the show you see them watching him but you you don't you and then you kind of see him kind of hooked up to all these wires and stuff but then it's like uh i I still don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) because then you see him kind of just walking and doing all this stuff so it's kind of just like 
a brain tease, I feel like, mm. if that makes sense. Um, can I share with you one of my favorite parts? Yeah. If I had to pick, it's um, as he's running out of the movie theater or whatever that they were doing a presentation on the armed forces and he trips over a bicycle and he looks up and he sees an eye on a window. Yeah. I think that was an interesting turning point for him to feel like he was being watched because it was very obvious he was being watched at the end once he realized what was happening. But yeah, that feeling could not have been an interesting feeling for him in the moment while he was hallucinating because having that eye kind of brings you to a uh, great Gatsby moment. I like to think where it's just the billboard of the two eyes, just constantly staring down. Like someone's keeping an eye out on you and watching you make your mistakes. Yeah. I guess in a way you can say it's like a, like a big brother moment. If that makes sense. Like the all seeing eyes, just watching you always. Yeah. And that, that that definitely gave me vibes of that, especially because it was only one eye and it's just like, and then five minutes or a few seconds later, you hear him saying, I'm being watched. Hmm. And then you're like, oh, uh, all seeing eye, big brother. Is that you? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, excellent. I do think uh, we're starting to run out of a little bit of time here. It's passing the 16 minute mark. I want to say 16, 17 minutes. But uh, I am glad that you joined me on this first episode. And, uh, here's hoping that we do get to uh, touch base with you again and maybe we can work with you again on a few more episodes if you'd like. I would love that. Excellent. Um, With that being said, we we hope you enjoyed this week's episode, breaking down interesting factoids and discussing the first episode of The Twilight Zone. If you'd like to lend an ear for more Shadows and Substance, be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, I'm your host, Jerome Archuleta, and this is uh, Gabriel Booth. And as always, you will find us 100 yards over the rim.